0: Good morning. Something doesn't. It's crazy how like a foot makes the world of difference. I was here and I'm like, this is not right. <laughs> this feels better. Whew. It's like what is wrong with the world right now? Um, yeah, uh, Bethany just mentioned uh, sermon. The sermon notes on my new hope that I end. If you're there, and I encourage you to go there. At the very top, we just put it out this week, and I'm kind of geeking out over it. I think it's so cool. <laughs> Pastor Todd did some coding for us. At the very top of the sermon notes page, you can hit a button that says Facebook, or you can hit a button that says SMS. And I encourage you to do this. Hit the SMS button. It's going to open up a text message. And we already wrote the text for you. You can change it if you want. But we wrote the text for you. And you could send that to somebody. And it says, hey, I'm at something like, hey, I'm at church. This is awesome. You should join me. And it puts a link right there. And all you got to do is tap on SMS in it it does everything for you. You just got to pick who you're going to send it to. Uh, but they can join us right now on the screen. If you do that, they might show up. I want to show honor to Pastor David and Joshua Sterheim this week. If you haven't noticed, um, like we have less junk in the back of our uh, auditorium. It's because we actually s- installed a uh, control room for video stuff. So now they can uh, say things like, Camera one, you're on. Camera, iris down those cameras not even sure what that means, I just hear him say it, um, but they can train people and um, talk without bothering people in the back, so there you go, and I just want to show honor to Pastor David Pastor, uh, and, and Joshua, just give them a hand, they were here late, getting cables, I don't know, they got cables to where they needed to go, they did a great job with it. I also want to show honor to uh, my dad, thank you for giving me this opportunity to uh, speak to your church. Um, my dad, growing up, he, uh, you know he, like a lot of dads, he, he had a chair. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Dad's chair? D- dad's chair. Who's Dad's chair? And there was one Saturday morning, I was a teenager, and both my parents were gone, and I was home alone, and I made myself some French toast or pancakes or something, something that required syrup. And I remember I was sitting in Dad's chair. And the, the, dad's chair wasn't, wasn't leather, it wasn't vinyl, it was like fabric, like a felt thing, and it was a really light color, like a, like a peach color was Dad's chair, his lazy boy. And I was sitting in it. I was allowed to sit in Dad's chair, but what I wasn't allowed to do was spill syrup on Dad's chair. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I spilled syrup on Dad's chair, and I had a problem. Right, I had a problem, so I was like, I need a strategy. What am I going to do? And I got up, and there's like this, this, this syrup spot, about, about the size of a dime, right, like, you stand, it's like right there in the middle of the seat. It's about the size of a dime, it's a little syrup spot, and I thought, oh no, oh no, i, I got to get rid of this, I've got to clean this up, and any time there's, there's like something sticky, on, unfab- like I know my mom, she, she, you got to clean it up, you got to do it now, otherwise it'll stain, so I thought, I have to move, I have to move quickly, so I put together a quick strategy, and I went out and I got some water, and I got a little bit of water on a rag, didn't really do anything, so I got a cup, Put, put some water. And then, and then I said, I'm drying it up, I'm drying it, and I'm scrubbing it. I'm drying it, I'm scrubbing it. And I probably got the syrup out. But then I, I'm done with that part, and I look down, and what was a little tiny spot is now just... just <laughs> about the size of the skillet I used to make those French, the French toast. It was just huge, and it was, it was just wet. And I thought, oh, my parents are going to be home any minute. Wouldn't it be great if I just concealed all of the evidence? of any malfeasance. How do I hurry up the drying process? They're going to be home any minute. I need a new strategy. I got a problem. I need a strategy. What do I do? I got a problem, Andy. I need a strategy. Um, How do I dry things? Hair dryer. So I got a hair dryer. And I plug it in. It's not working quick enough. I need to speed it up. How do I make it hotter? I flipped a little switch. It was hotter. Still wasn't doing it. It's got to get hotter. If it's hotter, it evaporates, right? Water evaporates if it gets hot enough. So I need to elevate the temperature of the water in the fabric. So how else can I get this hotter? Uh, I got a problem. I need a strategy. Um, I'll get it closer. And so I'm... I was like, I had the, the thing like buried in, because I'm thinking if I make it hotter, then it's going to evaporate out. And I'm like and it wasn't quite doing it good enough, so I'm like, what is happening? And I cooked my dad's chair. And you could see, like, the little grill marks. And I was like, I'll just stop. I'll just stop. Like, I should have stopped a while ago. I'll just stop. That was my strategy. I had a problem, and I had to come up with a strategy to fix it. And in this case, my strategy wasn't no good. <laughs> Satan has a problem. It's you. Satan has a problem. It's the power of the gospel working in your life. Right. That is Satan's problem. He's got a problem, and he needs a strategy. Yes. And that's what we're looking at. This is the second part of a two-part series on Satan's strategies. How does Satan deal with his problem? You. You. How does Satan deal with his problem? The power of God working inside of you. Newsflash, he's a whole lot smarter than a 17-year-old me. Your enemy, when we think about Satan's strategies, this is important for us to get. Your enemy is not Joe Biden or Donald Trump or their followers. That is not your enemy. Your enemy is Satan. Can we say that together? My enemy is Satan. Say it again. My enemy is Satan. Let's get that through our heads. Because we're fighting in the wrong way sometimes. Our enemy is Satan. We need to be aware of Satan's strategies. So that when they're used against us, we can bob and weave. We can fight back. So here's the first of five strategies I'm going to share with you today. Number 1, he accuses us of our sin. He accuses us of our sin. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. Did you know that Satan accuses you? You sinner. Do you know what you did? You know what you did. Remember what you did. Dumping guilt, dumping shame upon God's people, leaving us feeling inadequate. Some of us in this room feel shame and insecurity in our lives. Where do you think that came from? The enemy accuses us. A good example of this in the Bible is the story of David and Mephibosheth. I'm going to try to summarize a few chapters here. Um, David became king, but the king before him was Saul. And David ran from Saul for a long time. And all of Saul's household had died, except one person, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the previous king, Saul. (laughs) Mephibosheth was King Saul's grandson. And in the flee from David's men, uh, the nurse dropped Mephibosheth as a, as a child and he was lame his whole life. Mephibosheth had a line to the throne but was picked over because of his, his disability. He couldn't walk. So years later, David's king and he summons up Mephibosheth. And Mephib- Mephibosheth comes to his, 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 uh, you know, his courts, his house, his palace. What's going through Mephibosheth's mind? Certainly, I, like, I, I, have, I have a rightful claim to the throne. He's going to wipe me out. What, what king wouldn't wipe out the guy that could take him? So he came, and of course, he's trembling with fear. And uh, in 2 Samuel 9, verses 7 and 8, uh, it says this. Do we have it? Don't be afraid, David said to him, Mephibosheth, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I've got good plans for you. I will restore to you all of the land. Look what Mephibosheth says. Uh, I'll restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will always eat at my table. And here's what Mephibosheth said. He bowed down and he said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? God has good plans for you. Do we ever respond like this? Self depreciating language. Can we do the same thing? If Satan can't win your heart, what he really wants is your heart. He wants your full devotion. There ain't no chance he's going to get my full devotion. I'm committed to Jesus. If he can't get your heart, he wants to win your attention in any way possible. He's not going to win your heart, but could he, could he distract you? Yeah. Yeah. Could, he make you could, could he influence you to be less effective in the kingdom of God? Oh, yes. Could he discourage? Could he meddle in your personality to prevent beautiful, tra- to, so I'm sorry, to pervert beautiful traits like extroversion into excessive obnoxiousness or a beautiful trait like introversion into fear of human contact? Yeah. Could he discourage? Could he keep you from reaching what God has called you to? Just by his meddling? He often meddles by accusing us. You remember what you did. You can't can't do this now. So here's something. uh, Satan is a perverter. He takes what God does and he perverts it. So here's the tricky part. The Holy Spirit and Satan, they both say you sinned. They both say that. What's the difference? The difference is condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is never from God, according to Romans 8. It's never from God. Condemnation, God brings conviction, right? So conviction, if it's conviction, it brings holiness, When the Holy Spirit says, you sinned, it's an invitation to come up. It's an invitation to clean. So when the Holy Spirit says, you sinned, it's up. When Satan says, you sinned, it's down. It's an invitation down. The Holy Spirit convicts you and says, hey, hey, you sinned, so that you can stop, so that you can obey, so that you can function in his, in his kingdom. The devil says you sinned so that you don't. So that you believe you can't. So when Satan keeps reminding you of your past, just remind him of his future. Here's the second strategy of Satan I want to share with you today. Number two, he blinds minds. Satan blinds minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this. I think we got it. 2 Corinthians 4.4. Four. The God of this age, and so that means the God of this era, that's Satan. The God of this, this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. If Satan can blind he does that. Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers from seeing the glory of God. If Satan can do that, can he not dim the minds of the believers? Yeah. Is it possible that when we look at something, we're, we see what we see, but we don't see what's being dimmed? Is that possible? It's like, it's like if we can do an illustration. Can we make all these red? Just, just make them all red. If we did a poll... And I say, what color is this? How many of you would agree? You could raise your hand. This is red. We all agree. This is red. What if I told you it's purple? Like, no one's going to no buy that. Just look at it. It's red. But the, the, the truth is, these are LED lights. And the reason we can put different colors up is because there's, there's a red light in there. And there's a blue light in there. And there's a green light in there. And when you put those lights on at different intensities, you can make any color you want. So, so, so the, the truth is, this is white light. You're just being blinded to the blue and the green right now. All you see left is red. The truth is, right now, this, is, this panel right here, the truth is, this is purple. That's the truth. You're blinded to the blue. You're all blinded to it. Because we turned it off. But you're blinded to it. But that's really purple. See, if we add the blue, you, you can see what I'm saying. We, go, ahead, go ahead and add the blue here. And yeah. Yeah. All we did was add blue. So is red still true when you look at this? Is red true? Yes. There is red there. And there is blue there. And the issue is now purple. Satan can blind minds. He can dim spiritual issues. And we can spend all day long believing we're right. Go ahead and switch it back to red. We can spend all day long looking at our, our red world, looking at our red Bible. And if we don't realize that Satan condemns, we be, we look at the red and we believe red's true. But that's not red, that's purple. Is that starting to make sense? Let me give you some more examples. Here it is. We can be convinced of things that are true but aren't all the way true. The Pharisees did this. As we've been going through the Bible reading plan, I see the interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees in the book of John. Over and over again, it, it, it's this issue. They see one thing, and Jesus says, Hi, yeah, yeah, but... In another uh, book, Jesus gave the, like, a whole sermon about it. You've heard it was said. You've heard it was said, do not commit adultery. Yeah, 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 but... The other side of this is your heart matters too. It's not just, yeah, don't commit adultery, but also don't commit adultery in your heart. Go back to red. You've, I've heard people say, my faith is a personal choice. Yeah, yeah, your faith, yes. Your faith is a personal choice. That's true. To be lived out publicly. You can't just live, live with just the one thing. I can worship God on my own. Yes, yes, you can. But God gave you the church for a reason. Yeah, well, yeah. Faith, faith moves God to action. How many believe that? Faith moves God to action. Yes, yes. But just because your faith says yes, we can add the blue, just because your faith says yes, it doesn't mean God is unable to say no. His ways are higher than yours. There's more to that. Go ahead and go back to red. I'm right. I'm right on whatever. And they won't listen to me. So it's okay to get together and gossip because they won't listen to me. No. No. You may be right. That may be truth. You may be right. It's not okay to get together and gossip. That's sin. I have rights and freedoms. I have rights and freedoms. Nobody can tell me what to do. Yes, you have rights and freedoms. Go ahead and turn it to purple. You do have rights and freedoms. You are independent. I don't want to be accused of being political, so I'm just going to be biblical. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, Romans 13. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Amen. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. This past week, I sat down at a table with um, uh, several leaders in our community in one of them was a friend of mine. His name's Mike. And he came in wearing a mask. And uh, he got there and he looked at the guy that was in charge of the room and he said, am I allowed to take my mask on once I sit down? And the, the CEO said, yep. And he did. And he said, I hate these things. But so I just decided I'm a Christian and I'm going to live under authority. How, how would I expect to be placed, under, placed into authority if I don't live under it? And it brought tears to my eyes. He hated it. But he knows what the Bible says. Okay. I don't need, go back to red, I don't need to be water baptized to be saved. That's true. You don't need to be water baptized to be saved, but you should do it. You should still do it. I don't need to hear the Spirit of God. I'm sorry, I I, I don't need to read my Bible. I hear the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God speaks right to my heart. The Spirit of God can speak right to your heart, but how do you know that that was God unless you have the Scripture? To anchor it to. Yeah. Satan loves to dim certain parts so that we don't see the reality of the issue. The solution? The solution? Let's stay humble. If you don't think you deal with pride, that's a really good indicator you do. It, really, pride is universal. We all have some pride. But let's approach Scripture with humility as well. Scripture, I'll say that in a minute. Don't handle the Scriptures, okay? You know, we, we, People say, say, you know, you gotta handle the Scriptures. Don't, don't handle them. Let them handle you. That's impossible if you're not humble. If you head into Scripture believing that you have all the answers, that you will handle them. That's not the way it was meant to be. This handles you. So stay humble. And uh, your mind won't be dimmed. And number two, keep seeking truth. Every time I open my Bible, I'm aware that I may have understood it wrong last time. Scripture is inerrant. My understanding of Scripture is not in that same category. reaching, Pastor Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Here's number three. He incapacitates us. He incapacitates us. I still can't say it. He incapacitates us. There we go. In Luke 13, Jesus healed a crippled woman, and a synagogue leader said, oh, no, 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 you can't heal somebody in, uh, on the Sabbath. You can't heal somebody on the Sabbath. It's not okay. And Jesus responded, he said, the same law that says I shouldn't do anything on the Sabbath also says that you should untie your animal when they're bound up so they can get water. Luke 13, 16, Jesus continued, Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whose Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Satan loves to bind us up. He loves to incapacitate us. It's his Strategy. Haley Roberts is here. Coming up, Haley. She's experienced firsthand uh, this idea, and she's one of many people who have been through our deliverance process. I'm going to ask her to share her testimony. Go ahead, Haley.
1: Um, Hi, good morning, New Hope. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Haley, and I've been coming to New Hope ever since I was a year old. And um, I was raised in a Christian home with good Christian values and morals. um, And even so, I always felt like there was something missing in my life and no matter how hard I tried to become close to the Lord and to form a relationship with Him, there was always something holding me back, whether something traumatic would happen or there is these thoughts that I knew that weren't my own would just keep me and hold me back. Um, When I was six years old, I was molested in a family member's home. Um, so, from a very young age, I was feeling emotions like guilt and shame and just anger towards God. And um, no matter what I did, enemy the enemy had this grip on me that I just couldn't seem to shake off. And um, as I grew older, you know, I started school and I was bullied from middle school to high school. And it became so bad to where I attempted to take my life when I was a sophomore in high school. And never in my life have I ever felt like so alone and so abandoned by God. And there was these constant thoughts in my head just saying, if God truly loved me, he wouldn't allow me to go through these things. He wouldn't allow me to feel these emotions. And um, just within this past year, I'm going to try not to cry, but um, it was very easy for me to fall away from church and the Christian faith. Um, A couple months after my daughter was born, my father passed away unexpectedly. And um, so to cope with it, um, I became addicted to drugs and alcohol. Um, There was never a day where I could be sober. And um, so I stopped coming to church, um, and um, I just turned everybody away. Um, And um, there were times where I would lie awake at night and just hear voices in my mind just saying, this world would be so much better off without you in it. And... uh, (laughs) And God doesn't truly love you because if he did then why would you be feeling this pain why would you be going through these things and I would see things at night like glowing eyes looking at me and I just knew that something had to be done so my mom was talking about her being delivered and I knew that that that's something that I should do so I set up a meeting with Joni Hauser, which is one of the women that do the deliverance, and um, that morning, around one in the morning, we're supposed to meet with Joni around 11 in the morning, and um, around one in the morning, I woke up just incredibly sick, like just vomiting profusely, like, and so I ended up having to go to the ER, we had to cancel that meeting with Joni, and, I just remember being in the ER just thinking, well, now I have to (laughs) do the deliverance because I don't think that's a coincidence. So um, we set up a meeting to do the deliverance. And um, I remember being prayed for. Everybody was surrounding me. And I had my eyes closed. And Pastor Chet was praying that the Holy Spirit fill my, my body and show me anything that he wanted to show me. And I looked up at Pastor Chet, and he was glowing. And so I told him, I said, Pastor Chet, you, you have this light shining down on you. And so he hovered over me and prayed that the Holy Spirit would shine a light upon me. And I remember having this vision in my head that I was in this dark room, and there was this light shining down in front of me. and. I looked up into the light, and in that moment when I did, I had this image of God just holding me in His arms and holding me and surrounding me with His love, and I felt immediately at peace. And in that moment, I just felt this tremendous weight just lift off of me. And in that moment, I knew that I was freed from everything that I had been through. I had never felt so happy and so at peace in my entire life, and I just wanted to dance, and I was just so excited, and I, I never felt anything like that before.
0: Praise the Lord. Can we give God the glory? <laughs> Thank you. <Haley. laughs> Satan incapacitates us. Oh, yes. Yes. By the way, uh, how old are you, Haley? Real loud. 21. A lot of the people that go through our, the deliverance process have three or four of her lifetimes. And they went, th- they, they, can you imagine what it would be like to not have been delivered 40 years from now? What would your baby be like growing up? What, what would, what's going to be different now? If you haven't gone through deliverance and think you may need to, get, get on it. The best time to do it was 10 years ago. The second best time is today. Yeah. Go to mynewhope.in and tap on uh, I want to get free. And you could, you could begin the process this afternoon. I encourage you to do that. Satan incapacitates us. It's his strategy. And you may feel incapacitated. He, you may be incapacitated by depression, drugs, and alcohol. I love that, that part of her testimony. She, she had to take the edge off. There are so many other problems, so, so what do you do? You, you have to, we all We all got problems. In Haley's testimony, she turned to drugs and alcohol to deal with it. There's other places to turn. Maybe, yeah, I'll keep moving. Satan wants to incapacitate you and harm you and limit you. But God intends it for good. Check it out, Romans 8. He wants to flip it around. We know that in all things. Everybody say all things. all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God wants to flip it. Turn the person next to you and say, flip it. flip it. He wants to take what the enemy meant for evil and flip it and turn it for good. Here's number four the fourth strategy of Satan. He hinders God's plan for evangelism and discipleship. He hinders God's plan for evangelism. And discipleship. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18 says this. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Sidebar, sidebar. I love that. So we were separated, not, not in heart, but in person. What a great example that is right now, right? We're separated, not in, not, not in heart, but in person. But we made every effort to see you. Sidebar, if you're watching online, I don't see a I'm just going to look at one. If you're watching online uh, and you have medical issues, you have issues with your family, issues with your kids, um, you want to check us out for a while before you come here, we are so glad you're here. Yes, We're so glad you're watching online. Join us however you can but if the only reason you're online is you prefer jammies to jeans, it's time to make every effort to see you. Can you, make, can you make an It's time. we got some seats in this room. We're exploring this week. We're going to be talking about some ways to make more seats in this room. And we also have a wiggle room, or the Unity Hall. I'm going to start calling it the wiggle room. It's an overflow. We've got separated chairs out there as well. So if you have kids with you, if they start to get to the point where they're a distraction to you or other people... There's a little bit more space over there in the wiggle room. I'm going to call it that, the wiggle room. And every time I say it, I'm going to say, the wiggle room. Okay, we made every effort to see you. Verse 18. For we wanted to come see you. Certainly I, Paul, did, again and again. But Satan blocked our way. Satan wants to meddle, he's always trying to get in the way of what God wants to do, it's what he does. I think the greatest way Satan loves to meddle, he does it so much, is is he does it with distractions and mixed messages. Just do a self-inventory. I'm going to ask these questions. I don't want anybody to holler back at me, but I want you to answer them in your head. What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you looking at? What are you listening to? Friendships, magazines, email, internet, Facebook, news shows, phone calls, text messages. Satan will work through all of it. You might not want to work through technology. Satan's fine with it. (laughs) Three questions I would love for you to answer in your heart. What voices in your life need turned off? This is just good. From time to time, we need to tune up. Here's our tune up. What voices need to be turned off? What voices in your life need to be turned down? They're good, but they're not God. I, I've heard enough of that, that. And what voices need to be turned up? What should you turn off? What should you turn up? What should you turn... I got him. okay. What should you turn off? What should you turn down? What should you turn up? I said it backwards. Um, and that will... Bob and weave around Satan's strategy of hindering God's plan for evangelism and discipleship. Here's number five. He plucks the word of God from hearts. Mark chapter four says this. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Satan is a liar. Do you know why Satan's always associated with fire? because he is a liar, liar, pants on. Uh Mm-hmm. That's why Satan's always in, (laughs) ha ha, I made a funny. (laughs) Satan is a liar, liar, pants on fire. When you hear God nudging you, Maybe I said something in this message. Every time when I'm hearing somebody talk, if I'm listening to a podcast, when I'm reading and something goes in my mind, I should do that. I take the hint and I flip to the back of my notebook or I grab another piece of paper and I write it down because if I don't, it's going to get plucked from my heart. I don't want, I got to bob and weave Satan's strategy. Satan has a problem. It's me, it's you. And the power of the gospel working in our life. So we gotta know how to bob and weave it. So, so when, when I hear something that's good and a good seed lands on me, I grab my uh, right away. Some, you may see me sometimes in a, in a sermon if I hear something that, that's moving me, I just do this right now. It's, my, it's, it's in my heart, in my mind. I'm saying, I got it. Like, I'm gonna take that seed, I'm gonna bury that one. I'm gonna, I'm, gar- I'm grabbing it. I'm not gonna wait till the end to deal with it, I'm gonna grab it and deal with it. I'm gonna write it down. Once I write it down, it's like it becomes solid to me. That's just something I do. I want encourage you to, to do the same. Watch for the seeds that get spread out on, on you. And when it's a seed from God, grab that sucker. Because Satan wants to pluck it from your heart. So here's a chance to not have it plucked. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you've never aligned your heart with God, if you've never said yes to Jesus, today... Is your day? It's very simple. You see, you got to understand first. You just got to understand that that G- Jesus died for you. Your penalty—I'm sorry your, your the penalty for you being a sinner is death, spiritual death, separation from God. And Jesus died on the cross to pay that penalty for you, so you don't have to, right? Like, like the penalty is death, but hey, guess what? Somebody paid it. They paid the bill. But you gotta, you gotta accept it. You have to. Use it. So just admit, I am a sinner. Believe in your heart that Jesus came back alive, which conquered the penalty for sin, which conquered death. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I'm going to say that prayer. And if um, those of you watching online, if you would... um, Want to say this prayer with me as well. There's actually a spot in the public chat where you can raise your hand. If you want to um, let's all close your eyes, if you want to make that decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your of your life, I encourage you to raise your hand as a sign to God. I want to do that. I want to do that. And you could do it online with me as well. Just raise your hand, click the button. It's a sign in your heart. Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that you paid the penalty for my sin. And I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you. Align my heart with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand together? All of us need to align our hearts under God's will always it's a good thing to do over and over let's do that now as we come to the altar and we look to thee, the Lord Lord we align our hearts with you we want to be realigned under you and your purposes